0: if you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and you could also put your thumb in Matthew 25 if you want, but Hebrews 12, we are going to continue in this sermon series on success and um, what personal success might look like for each of us. If we would take the biblical principles and what Christ speaks to us and apply it to our lives and what a personal life of success looks like according to the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 12 beginning at verse 1 Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lay aside those things that entangle. Run with perseverance. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and consider him. Keep your mind fixed on him so that you will run, walk, and you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, success is something that we have many definitions for, and probably right at the forefront of that is that we have accolades, uh, we have uh, recognition, we have uh, remuneration, we get some financial prosperity because that shows success, doesn't it? Matter of fact, I'm going to show you today some of the biblical characters who have shown us what personal success looks like, and some historical people that in the church of Jesus Christ have shown us success. And even in their stories that I share with you, we're going to see some earthly successes. And yet, I want you to remember last week's message as the foundation for this whole series that the kingdom of God, the biblical way of defining success, is a lot more about, most significantly and most importantly about obedient, faithful, perseverance and not about a big wallet. I I get so frustrated when I read uh, articles or I watch somebody on television, and and I've seen a guy on television who told everybody in his congregation to pull out their wallet, look at their wallet, and say, You big, beautiful wallet, you. I know there's money coming to you, and it's going to be overflowing in my life. And he said, Now that you've spoken it, now it will be. And you know how many people walked out of there and no money magically appeared in their wallet because that's not God's kingdom view of success. And isn't it tragic how often we've seen people who promise success to others who are taking the money for themselves and living a lavish lifestyle instead of saying God's kingdom of success, God's vision and view of success is not about how big of a silo you can build and how big of a barn you can build to fill it up, but rather how much can you give away of time, of energy, of talent. How much honor and glory can you give to God? How much respect and honor can you give to others? And success in the kingdom is so very different than success on earth. We talked about that with Jeremiah last week, that Jeremiah was a raging success. And yet, the people didn't listen to him. His own countrymen stoned him. And the people that he was talking to and giving them wisdom on how to be delivered from the hand of the enemy not only ignored him, but ignored him so much so that they went into captivity for the next 70 years. And yet, Christians, Jewish theologians, historians recognize that Jeremiah was a success because he was faithful to the one who called him. He preached what God told him to. He wrote down the oracles and the Word of God that we wouldn't have if he hadn't written it down. And we know he was a success. And I think about Mother Teresa, and I think about so many of these people who have done something to give their life away. I was watching a TV show this week, and the TV show they were talking about um, the philanthropist and businessman and uh, mega-millionaire, billionaire uh, Carnegie from 100 years ago. And this guy gave away more money in the last 15 years of his life then everybody in the world currently might have. Like, if you take the fifth richest billionaire in the world, he gave away more money than him. The sixth richest billionaire, the seventh... He gave away more money than those guys. Because he saw some value and some significance not in lining his pockets, but in saying, how can I bless other people? How can I further other people? I don't know whether he was a Christian, but God was using even his philanthropy and his generosity to touch other people's lives. But as Christians of all people, we've got to begin to understand a different definition of success. And it starts with, in Hebrews That we've got this great cloud of witnesses. So we've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, David, Solomon. We've got this great cloud of witnesses going to Peter and James and John and then on down through the years, right? Martin Luther and John Wesley and St. Augustine. This cloud of witnesses that's gone before, and I would say in one sense we could kind of imagine them cheering us on from heaven. Maybe that's not theologically correct, but, but, but yet their heart is such that they want all of God's people to succeed in honoring Him and furthering the witness of who God is. And we're supposed to, because of that legacy and because of that um, inference or, or influence in our lives from them, then we are supposed to keep walking in faithfulness with our eyes set on Jesus, our mind on Him, And that's how we can get to success. Let's flip over to Matthew 25, as I mentioned, because we want to hear this also as an understanding of success. Matthew 25, and hear what Jesus said. And it's in a parable that you know quite well. This is what it says, the parable of the talents. Jesus said, "...the kingdom of God is like a man about to go on a journey who called his slaves to him and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey." And immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them, gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled the accounts with them. And the one who had received five talents came and brought five more, saying, "'Master, you entrusted me with these. See, I have gained five more.' And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Or well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The same way with the one who had received the two talents. Skip ahead to verse 24. And the one who had one talent, he came up and said, Master, I know you're a hard man. You're reaping where you did not sow, and you're gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid. I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you know I reap where I did not sow, and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, you would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him who has it. Give it to the one who has ten. Biblical success in this understanding isn't about a percentage of money gained. It's not about them getting their thing on the, the top employee of the month. It's rather they took what they received as a gift from God and they invested it so that he might get a return. It doesn't matter the percentage. It doesn't matter compared to one another. They said, thank you for giving this to me. I will go and I will put it to work for you. And that's what a persevering, obedient faithfulness is about. Thank you, Lord, for giving it to me. Let me put it to work for you. Lord, I pray, would you help us to understand this morning that success in your kingdom is different than perhaps we've imagined it to be while here on earth? Lord, help us to understand that we can walk in faithful ways, in ways that honor you. And that, Lord, what we can do is put to work what you've given us for your glory and the furtherance of your kingdom. Open our eyes and our ears and our heart that we may see and understand. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about Abraham. I'm going to give you some characters from the Old Testament. Some from the new, and then some from the church over the last couple thousand years. Let's talk about Abraham. Abraham was successful. We would consider him such. We know that he was successful, of course, first and foremost, because he was the father of all faith. And we have the legacy of faith that he passed on to us, where Scripture actually says that you and I become children of Abraham if we believe. Which is why when you were a kid, we sang Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, some of you remembered it, and the rest of you have no idea what I'm singing. But Abraham was successful. Okay, so Genesis 13-2, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So there's the earthly success, but we know that there's the spiritual and eternal success because he's a father of faith. Genesis 17, 4, the reason that he had any success whatsoever was because God came to him and he said to him, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Yours and my success is going to depend upon the fact that we recognize that God is the one who started the whole thing. Abraham's out there doing whatever he's doing, minding his business, and God comes to him and says, I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to lead you to a land that's not your own. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And as I'm reading that through in Genesis, I'm like, well, where's the part where he tells Abraham all the things he's going to have to do for him to earn this? It's not there. There's no list of things that God tells Abraham he has to earn in order to get these blessings, this reward, or this success. Because in the kingdom of God, this type of success is God saying, I'm going to bless you because you're my child. I'm going to give you these things. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to journey with you. But this is what I'm going to do. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You will be the father of many nations." Now, we do know that there wasn't a list of things that Abraham had to do to get that, but there is one thing that the the promises were conditioned upon, and that was believing the promise. It was faith. Abraham was successful, even blessed in livestock and in silver and in gold, the father of many nations, and a father of faith to all who will believe, because he believed. Galatians 3.6, even so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Galatians 3.9, so then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Isn't that interesting? Abraham's description was he was the believer. You want to be successful in the kingdom of God, you have to believe. And I could give you many different people that I'm not even going to talk about today, but think about it. Jesus, if that's you, tell me to walk on the water to come to you. The reason that Peter was able to walk on the water is because he followed in the footsteps of Abraham, his father, the believer, and Jesus said, it's me. Get on the water and walk. He had to believe. If you don't believe the Lord, you will never be successful in kingdom ways. I've often asked people, what's the difference between John Wesley... Augustine, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and you. And me. There's no difference. They're human as we're human. They sinned as we sin. They had a past and a present and a future like we do with circumstances and waves and confusion and all kinds of influences and different factors. But here's what they did. They believed. They asked the Lord... For his grace and his mercy, they believed that he would do what he said he would do. So if you want to be personally successful in your time here on earth, consider Abraham and believe God. Second person I want to talk to you about. We would consider David successful. You could do a little Google search, and they're trying to figure out modern day discussions or trying to figure out how much money David and Solomon were really worth. Because they get, may measure success by how much money's in their coffers. So they're like, so how much money did Solomon have? I mean, he was rich. Can we figure it up? But David was successful in completely different ways than that. Yes, we know that he was the king of the United uh, Kingdoms of the North and the South. All of the tribes together before they became split. We know that he was successful because he, he killed his tens of thousands as far as the, the old song went. But we know he was successful in bigger and more significant ways because God said that he was a man after his own heart. But let me give this to you. First Chronicles 29, 28 says that David died a ripe old age, full of days, full of riches, and full of honor. That's something we would all love to have. Lived an old life. He was well looked upon, honorably, respected by others, and he had a lot of money. What a great life that was. And yet we know that's not the measure of David's true success, because 1 Samuel 16, 7, when they were going to pick a king of Israel to succeed Saul... Then we know Samuel thought the king, the new king, would be the one that was tall and handsome. The one that caught the eye of everybody. And God said to Samuel, no, you're missing it. God does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And so 1 Samuel 13, 14, when God was telling Saul, because of your sin and your disobedience, you didn't believe and obey, you don't get to be successful You don't get to continue as a king anymore. That's what he told Saul. He said, now your kingdom will not endure. Instead, the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. At the very beginning, David was a man after God's heart. That's why he was picked. You want to be successful in God's kingdom... You've got to be a man after God's own heart. We could give all kinds of explanations of what that means to be after God's own heart. I challenge you to do that in your devotions this week. Sit down and say, what would it be to be a man, to be a woman after God's own heart? I want to have God's heart. I want to I have God's heart beating in me. I want to reflect God's heart. There's so many different components to that. What does that mean to be after God's own heart? We know above all it's this. I want to honor you, Lord, and I want to have what happens in me and through me be what gives you glory. So we would consider David successful in the world's ways, but in the kingdom ways, he was successful because he was a man after God's own heart. Person number three would be Elijah. Elijah's a pretty successful dude, all right, because he's got the uh, enemies of Israel who are putting in place even through. Even, even through the, the evil king and evil queen of Israel, they're putting in place their gods. And Scripture says, you have no other gods before me. And yet, here they are, right? And they're, they're putting in these different gods uh, of Baal and Ashereth. And so then they're up on Mount Carmel. And you remember, Elijah goes to town there. And he says, God, just send down fire from heaven and consume the sacrifice to prove that you're God. And, and it happens, Right? Elijah performed eight different miracles that are recorded in Scripture, probably more But eight that are recorded in Scripture. He shut up the heavens causing a drought. He multiplied the flour and the oil for a widow. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He defeated the prophets of Baal with fire from heaven. He brought rain to end the drought. He destroyed soldiers with fire and lightning on two different occasions. And he parted the water of the Jordan. That's a pretty successful ministry. And yet, you know what? Those are all temporary things. He got some attention where the kings of the land were afraid of him. They they were like, hey, don't say all this bad stuff about us. Every time you open your mouth, it's something bad. Just let it rain and leave us alone. And yet his success was not in those temporary things. Instead, his success was that he obeyed God. Abraham believed God. David was a man after God's own heart. Elijah obeyed God because could you imagine going up on Mount Carmel? got 400 priests to Baal and Ashereth who are up there. They're crying out to this false God. They're cutting themselves in order to get their false God to hear them. And there's Elijah over there who says, I don't have anybody else with me, but here I am with a few servants, but it'll, it'll be okay. I would be scared to death. But he obeyed God. He believed God. And God brought the victory to that place. And so I would say that another part of, uh, of Elijah's victory was that he heard the voice of God. Because, because he heard, he obeyed. Because he obeyed, he continued to hear more and more and more. It's interesting sometimes how many times you tell your kids to clean their room. They don't hear you the first 20 times. And after they stop hearing you, or let's put it a little bit like this, when your husband forgets to or doesn't hear you say to "do this project on the honeydew list, or clean out that part of the garage or fix that thing that's been broken," the longer that you go and you don't listen to what's been told, the more that you don't hear the next one. And I, I've been telling you that for six months to fix that. Um, I don't remember that. It just cleverly just missed... I, I can't remember it. It fell out of the back of my head. But here's the thing about kingdom ways is that when you obey, then you're going to be ready to hear the next instruction. When you hear the next instruction, you obey it, which gets you ready to hear the next instruction. And it's this continuing cycle of obedience and hearing, and that's what brings success in God's kingdom. Elijah was success because he obeyed God even when he was afraid even in the face of danger even when he thought he was all alone which happened multiple times let me give you one more one more bible character and that would be peter peter was successful he preached to 3000 well more than 3000 people and 3000 of them said yes i'll follow jesus and one day they got baptized that's pretty successful right? He performed miracles. Do you remember in the book of Acts where, Jesus, where Peter's walking along and his shadow falls on people and they get healed? That's pretty successful. But that doesn't happen for just you and me. I've never stood up in front of 5,000 people preached and 3,000 of them said, I want to get saved and baptized right now. God can do that. He chooses to do that among certain people and in certain situations. But I also know that in Peter's life, for him to be successful in that way, he had to repent. Because remember, Judas betrayed Jesus, but Peter denied Jesus. And what Judas did in response to his betrayal was he hung himself. But what Peter did in response to his denial was he repented. He went out in the night and he wept. And then he met with Jesus. And Jesus restored him through that conversation of, Do you love me? Yes, I love you. You know I love you. And Jesus finishes that conversation with, Then follow me. And we know Peter did. So Peter repented. Peter expressed his love for Jesus, Peter followed Jesus, and that's what made him successful. In the New Testament, if you remember, in the book of Acts, that one guy wanted to have the Holy Spirit, and he said, I'll give you money so I can have the Holy Spirit, so I can do miracles like you. If Peter had taken that approach with the Lord, he never would have been able to accomplish those things he accomplished, because success in the kingdom of God is about coming to the Lord with repentance, coming to the Lord with love, and coming to the Lord and letting Him lead you. Let me give you two people um, didn't even get to talk to you about Paul and Timothy, but let me give you two people in, in, in church history times. One of them is Martin Luther. Martin Luther was successful. Matter of fact, you would not be sitting here if it weren't for Martin Luther. Martin Luther. You say, well, this isn't a Lutheran church. Well, no, but he was the leader of the Protestant movement with his 95 theses and saying, hey, you know what? It's by grace through faith alone that we are saved. And kind of a correction to some false teaching at the time. And because of Luther and Protestantism, then comes about the Great Awakening and Wesley, and you're in this room today because of Luther. And Martin Luther stood up to false teaching. He was brave in the face of certain persecution but he knew it was possible because of his time in the Word, because of his time in prayer, and because what he realized was that God gives to us by grace through faith, not through our outward performance of checklists and and outward religious piety, but rather, Lord, here I am, humble servant of yours, tell me what I must do. I will obey you, and I will follow you, and Lord, I'll continue to pray, and I'll continue to read your word so that you can make me successful, Lord, not in the ways of the world, but in a way that advances your kingdom. Wouldn't it be amazing if on your tombstone it had a phrase that said, because of this person's obedience to the Lord, the kingdom of God was advanced on earth? That is a powerful epithet of success. John Wesley, I mentioned him a minute ago, he was successful. He preached to tens of thousands out in the field. He was part of the great awakening that swept through Great Britain, the UK, the United States, Canada. He is part of the reason that you and I are seated here today. Because of his ministry, That I was able to hear the gospel through the, the fruit of his labors. But all of this was only possible after he stopped trying so hard to earn his salvation. Because he was the chaplain of Georgia, and he didn't even know if he was saved. He went down to Georgia from, the United, or from England to the United States to become a chaplain and to save those heathen Indians, but in his own journal, he was like, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm a Christian. Because he kept trying so hard to prove his worth instead of resting on the fact that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for my forgiveness, my salvation, and my future in Jesus Christ. So, to recap, to be successful in the ways of the patriarchs, the disciples, and the saints of old, we must have faith like Abraham. We must receive the promises that Abraham received and walk in them believing that God will bring them to pass. We have to pursue the heart of God like David did. We have to believe and follow Jesus' teaching like Peter did. We have to receive the Holy Spirit like Paul did. We have to confess and repent we have to surrender and receive, we have to obey, even through suffering and persecution, and the persecution that Christians have endured over these last two thousand years has been horrific. The teenagers learned this morning in the in the pastor's welcome class about what Roman candles really are. for those of you don 't know, Roman candles came through one of the two uh, through one of the ten periods of persecution of the Romans. Persecuting the Christians between the time of Jesus' ascension to 300 A.D., and they would literally dip Christians in wax and put them on a pole and light them on fire alive to light their streets. To be successful in advancing the glory and the kingdom of God is about obedience even in the face of suffering and persecution. It's letting the grace of God be all that you need for salvation, for ministry, and for life. I didn't even get to talk to you about Timothy, but one of the cool things about Timothy is what Paul said. He says, fan into flame what God has given to you, what God has blessed you with, what he's put upon you. In other words, you have a part to play. So back to the parable that we started with at the beginning. God's given us something, time, energy, and talents, in order to help advance his glory and his kingdom and his honor and 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 the people recognizing him what are you doing with it are you burying it in the ground or are you inviting somebody so your application steps are pretty obvious this morning like paul go to god for everything like abraham ask and receive what god offers and wisely use it for god's glory like timothy In his life, live for Jesus Christ, even if maybe your dad is not a Christian. Timothy's mom lived for Jesus Christ, even though her husband was not a Christian. So live for Jesus, even if people around you aren't doing it. Live for Jesus. In your work, like Peter and Paul, work for the Lord and not for other people. And in all that you do, fan into flame what God has given you in order to help advance the kingdom. The final two messages that we're going to give in this series are going to be about being successful in your relationships and then being successful in the, in the church. But in your personal life, you notice that I didn't really spend a lot of time talking to you about how to manage your time or how to create to-do lists, which I've read lots of books on those, or how to set big, hairy, audacious goals and go for them, those, and I've done those in my life. But yet all of those things may bring about some sense of temporal, worldly success, but the eternal success of saying, I'm a man after God's own heart, I believe what God has said, I have faith in what He's doing, His grace alone saves me, that will set you up for personal success like nothing else I can tell you. If you go to compellingtruth.org, it's a great ministry of answering questions and explaining to people more about the Scriptures. This is what they say about success. Personal success is obedience to God, empowered by the Spirit of God, motivated by love for God, directed toward the advancement of the kingdom of God. Success begins with obeying God's command to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. When a person receives Jesus Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit empowers and enables you and me to obey the teachings and the commands of Jesus and further the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this amazing example of of these men and women who have gone before in faithful obedience to you, Lord, being used of you so that people could know what love is, agape love, what redemption is, the redemption that's offered by Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, that because of these men and women and their faithful perseverance, Lord, Their obedience to you. We know, God, what salvation is for us. And now we know how we can treat our neighbor and our enemy and the perfect stranger. We can do it in love because your Spirit's in us, empowering us. And, Lord, that's the success of the kingdom that you've given to us. The success of laying our lives down, becoming nothing, so you can become everything. Thank you, Lord. Would you empower us, Lord, now to be your witnesses in this community, and the lives of the people around us, making a tremendous impact of love on the people we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.